morning. Is it well with your soul this morning? Amen. That was beautiful. Jerry with a G, where are you? The artist known as Jerry with a G. Wow, huh? Give it up for Jerry. A little fun fact. Every Jerry we have in this church plays the piano. Every Jerry we have in this church plays the piano. You play the piano and sing, by the way. Did y'all know Jerry Nelson sang? He, he can sing. He's smooth. Don't let him fool you. How do you think he got Christine? Jerry can sing. Can you sing Jerry with a G? No, good, don't. No. That's not your calling then. Mr. Price, uh, I started this morning with, uh, I went over and fellowshiped with our, our ladies' Sunday school, and Mr. Price, Jerry with a J, began uh, on the piano, and he played a couple songs. The ladies were so funny. That, this was the way to start. If you're, if you're ever discouraged, go to our ladies' Sunday school class. That will immediately encourage you. I felt so stupid sitting in there. They all knew the hymns by number. They were throwing, play 362. No, play 421. And it was like, you all know the numbers and names? It was amazing. It was a wonderful, wonderful morning. So thank you for letting me come and fellowship with the ladies today. That was, that was great. Well, would you pray with me this morning? Lord, it's, it's well with our soul this morning. Because you, the God of peace, has sent peace to our soul in the person of Jesus Christ. You are the God of all peace. You have initiated peace from the moment of our sin. You set in motion the sending of the Prince of Peace to die on the cross for our sins that those who know him might have peace and might know that they have been set free. Let us just for a moment, Lord, in silence, Lord, think about that peace. There's nothing, Lord, today that can take us from your hand not height, not death, not life, not death. There's no one who can harm us except for those who you have permitted to harm us, and you do that for our good. There's no disease that can harm us except for that disease you allow to harm us, and you do that for our good. Lord, we know that the peace we have is a peace in the knowledge that he who has the Son has life. I thank you for that peace this morning. No matter what happens, Lord God, you, Lord, have given us peace. Lord, I pray for our nation in our world. You have brought peace to the world. 
in the truth of your gospel. But wicked men hate the truth of your gospel. Wicked men don't want peace. I pray, Lord, that you would open ears and hearts to receive the peace of the true gospel in the one and only name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that our world would put down arms and embrace the gospel. It's not enough to keep peace, Lord. We must make peace, and we make peace with truth. We make that peace as our brothers and sisters all around the world today in various missions seek to make peace with the name of Jesus in war-torn countries. They don't come with a gun. They don't come with a sword. They come only with the peaceful message that those who believe upon the name of Jesus Christ will have peace. Lord, make in us today a spirit of peacemaking that we might go into the world and be sons of our Father. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn in them to Matthew chapter 5, verses 9 through 12. We're going to look at those together. Our main verse this morning is Matthew 5, 9. It says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. When Paul finished his letter to the Thessalonian church, his second letter to the Thessalonian church, he left them with this benediction. He said, now may the Lord of peace, a proper title for the God we worship. When someone asks you, is your God the same God as the Muslim God or the Jewish God is he just simply called God, yet in, in other religions they may call him uh, Raman or Brahman, they may call him Rob. Isn't, isn't it all just another name for the one God? The question you might ask back to them is, I don't know. Is their God the God of peace? Paul said the Lord of peace. That's our God's name the Lord of mercy. And Paul said, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in not just one way, but in every way. To be sons of the Father is to have peace in every way in our lives. It is not to simply be those who have embraced the peace and the sweet sound of the gospel, the sweet message of the gospel, who have the reconciliation through the blood of Jesus Christ, but it is to be lived out in every single way so that there's not one single place where the Lord cannot say, in this area of your life, be at peace. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. And Paul ended by saying, the Lord be with you all. When I was at FIU, I took a class called Moses and Company. That's a great name, Moses and Company. My professor was a pastor down here. I don't remember the name of the church. But he said something profound, something I had never thought of before. He said, 
Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. He didn't say, blessed are the peacekeepers. Blessed are the peacemakers, not blessed are the peacekeepers. This is an, an important point for our message today. An important point to remember what Jesus is calling for here is to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. His point was that the truth brings peace, but it's our reaction to the truth that brings violence. Winston Churchill says, truth is incontrovertible. There's no point in arguing with the truth. It is we who would be at odds and war with the truth. To give you kind of an understanding of where our world is today, many of you have heard of these new safe spaces that are popping up on college campuses. If you haven't, these spaces are areas on college campuses where students can be protected, protected from opposing viewpoints, that is, viewpoints that may offend them. Our world has created a bubble and set up itself inside that bubble to be guarded against the truth. One lawyer said, these students want complete control over their personal lives, over their sex lives, over the, over the use of drugs, but they want mommy and daddy Dean to please give them a safe place to protect them from ideas that maybe are insensitive, maybe will make them think. What do these safe spaces teach us about our culture? First, it teaches us that truth is no longer welcome in our culture. The politically correct world does not want truth. It's no longer welcome in our culture. Number two, it teaches us that peacekeeping is the goal, not peacemaking. What the world wants today above all else is peacekeeping. Don't say anything that might offend my sensitivities in order that we might keep the peace. A new phrase I've heard some of my friends say when you share with them an opposing viewpoint is don't lose a friend over this. Let me tell you, if our friendship is that shallow that I can't differ on a point of view, you and I don't need to be friends because we never have been. A friend is not someone who is so thin-skinned that you cannot speak the truth to. I said, a friend is not someone who is so thin-skinned that you cannot speak the truth to them. But this morning, I want to talk about what it means to be a peacekeeper versus a peacemaker. There's three things I want to do this morning. I want to distinguish between peacemaking and peacekeeping. Second, I want to describe the works of a peacemaker. And third, I want to show how we can bring peace to our world. Look back at our passage, Matthew 5, 9. But we're going to read the passages that follow because I think it gives us a clue as to what Jesus is predicting will be our plight. Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Has Jesus lost his mind? He says in verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers. And in the very next passage, he warns us of coming persecution and reviling by the world. Now, how can we live in peace and be peacemakers if we're going into the world and they're persecuting us? I want to answer that question this morning. Jesus has not lost his mind. He has carefully defined the plight of the peacemaker in a world that is fallen. Well, what does Jesus mean by the word peacemaker? Number one, it's closely tied to the concept of reconciliation. To be reconciled means to put two parties back in harmony with one another. This morning, I, I was, I'm so glad Edwina and Sandy are here, and I'm so glad you sat right behind me. When we were singing It Is Well, Edwina always sings the harmony. I sing the melody, Edwina sings the harmony, and it is spectacular, if I do say so myself. <laughs> what did you say, Bill? <laughs> Never mind. Different parts, singing in an agreeable way. The word in the Greek literally means to be put in harmony. The word in Hebrew is shalom, and it means wholeness. The Greek word means harmony. The Hebrew word means wholeness. Together, these words mean to put two parties, to bring back the reconciliation, to bring two parties back into agreement who have been at odds with one another. Colossians 1, 19 through 20 says this, For in him, that is Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him, that is Jesus, God reconciled to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, doing what? Making peace by the blood of his cross. The first thing a peacemaker does is he is back in harmony with God. That presupposes the reality that we are in disharmony with God. Nothing worse than hearing people who are in disharmony with one another. A couple of us did that this morning in Sunday school. I was the main leader. Disharmony. It's awful to hear. It's even worse to see it play out in real life when two parties are at odds with one another. But think about how awful it is to be in disharmony with God, the one who can judge our physical and spiritual lives. But the good news is that God has reconciled to himself everything in earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus means those who bring the gospel to the world, both in word and in deed, are peacemakers. The peacemakers are the ones who bring this truth that Jesus Christ has reconciled man back to God, that is what the peacemaker does. 
He brings it in word and in deed. In Matthew 5, 43 through 48, Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. The word sons of is an idiom meaning of that kind. Of a certain kind. For us, when we sow peace in the world, when we bring the gospel to the world, we may be called sons of God. Jesus told Pilate, when he asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, I'm a Jew. Your own nation and the chief priest have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of this world. The servants of God are not to engage in fighting they are not to be engaged in battle and to be quarrelsome. They are to be peacemakers in every part of life. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. As such, his children, those called sons of God, are those who follow the works of their Father in heaven. It is only when our message and our works are peaceful that we might rightly be called sons of God. Well, I want to talk then about what it means or what it looks like to be a peacemaker. I ask the question here strategically, what are the works of a peacemaker? And I chose the word works over the word qualities since it's important for us to know that peacemaking is laborious and it's sometimes unnatural. I don't want to talk about the qualities of a peacemaker, though every one of us who has been delivered from their sins by the gospel of peace has that quality in them. I'd rather talk about works of the peacemaker because works of the peacemaker are difficult at times. It is sometimes unnatural to do. Well, what are the works of the peacemaker? Number one, the peacemaker is first and foremost an ambassador of the gospel. The peacemaker is first and foremost an ambassador of the gospel. An ambassador speaks only what the king has told the ambassador to speak and doesn't get to add his own two cents to the message. And so I say the works of the peacemaker because as we all know and we've all found in our life, it is incredibly difficult to be an ambassador of the gospel of Jesus Christ in this world. Paul said to the Corinthian church, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. You might hate certain people 
for various reasons. But if you are a son of God, you bring the message of reconciliation to everyone. Everyone gets to hear the message of reconciliation. That is our responsibility. Listen to what Paul says. Therefore, since we have received this message of reconciliation, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. Think about how high this responsibility and calling is. When you speak the gospel message to the world, God is using your very vocal cords and tongue to make his appeal of reconciliation. But when you hold your tongue for prejudices and preferences, when you hate and quarrel instead of being a peacemaker, you don't look like your father which is in heaven. First and foremost, the peacemaker is an ambassador of the gospel. The Bible tells us that God the Father initiates peace, that God the Son establishes peace. Jesus said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Yes, you're going to have tribulation in this world, but the ambassadors of peace share that Jesus has overcome the world. He has delivered us from the threat of death and the punishment for our sins. So those then who are born of the message of reconciliation are now ambassadors of reconciliation seeking to establish peace. Second, peacemakers are committed to the truth. In John 8, 39, the Pharisees answered Jesus, Abraham is our father. Jesus said, you're not of your father, Abraham. And they said, no, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did, he says. All of us, regardless of the reviling and the persecution that Jesus promised us, those of us who are committed to be peacemakers are committed firmly to the truth, no matter the consequences. I want to read a story to you. Many of you are familiar with the man Richard Wormbrand, who started the Voice of the Martyrs. He was a Romanian man, and when the communists took over Romania, he was thrown into prison for saying that Christianity and communists cannot, communism cannot coexist. He is completely right. Christianity and communism cannot coexist. Communism is inherently atheistic, and Christianity is inherently Christocentric. And those two things cannot exist. He told the truth, and the world hated him for it. They even threw him in prison, took him from his family, 
and put him in prison for 10 years. He lost a lot, but he was committed to the truth. He and his fellow brethren who were in prison were committed to the truth. This is a story from his book, Tortured for Christ. He says, the following scene happened more times than I can remember. A brother was preaching to the other prisoners when the guards suddenly burst in, surprising him halfway through a phase, phrase. They hauled him down the corridor to their beating room, as they called it. After what seemed to be an endless beating, they brought him back, threw him in the middle of the floor, bloodied and bruised on the prison floor. Slowly, he picked up his battered body, painfully straightened his clothing, and said, Now, brethren, where did I leave off when I was interrupted? He continued his gospel message. And Wormbrandt says this, I have seen beautiful things. It is beautiful when this violent world persecutes us for the truth. It is so absolutely beautiful when we share in the suffering of Jesus Christ for the salvation of others. Peacemakers are always looking for the truth. Finally, peacemakers always rejoice in the peace. They never stop making peace and always rejoice in it. In Acts 5, 41 and 42, the story of John and Peter ends with the apostles doing this. It says in Acts 5, 41, Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. Not only do the peacemakers commit themselves to the gospel and commit themselves to truth, they commit themselves to the continuous preaching of the peace of the gospel, even in the face of grave danger. It sounds almost counterintuitive that we would rejoice in the face of per persecution, but Jesus says in Matthew 5, 12, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Think about the small opportunity you have on college campuses, at work, amongst friends, on the internet, the small opportunity to receive a small persecution for Jesus Christ. What an opportunity that so many of us pass up on a daily basis for fear of suffering. Jesus says, think differently about suffering. 
than you normally think about suffering. So what if the world hates you? Better that the world hates you and God loves you than that the world love you and God hates you. And in the midst of this hatred, in the midst of the reviling, in the midst of the persecution, Jesus says, rejoice. He is saying, be happy about it. Think about Wormbrandt's words. The beating of his fellow brethren, he called a beautiful thing. But do we think of our ostracization and our mistreatment and the reviling we receive in the world as a beautiful thing? Peacemakers never stop making peace. Peacemakers rejoice when they're persecuted. I want to ask this question, though, and this is on a more personal level this morning. The Bible says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And I wondered this the whole week as I did my studies. Is there evidence in our life that we are peacemakers? The consequence of being a peacemaker is that we are in fellowship with God. To be a son of God is to be a recipient of the inheritance of eternal life. This is no small thing to be a son of God. But the Bible defines the sons of God in this way. They are peacemakers. I ask you this morning, do you want peace? Does it matter to be called, does it matter to you to be called a son or a daughter of God? Many of you are nodding your head, yes. I ask you this question then. Why do we quarrel with one another over insignificant things? If we want to be sons of God, why do we quarrel with one another over insignificant things? Why do we hurt one another? Why do we fail to forgive one another? If we desire peace, why then would we withhold the precious gift of forgiveness. If God is the God of reconciliation, why would we, His sons and daughters, not be eager to reconcile with our brothers and sisters? You see, so many times we, as believers, reflect more closely the Prince of the air, the prince of this world, Satan, and not the prince of peace. If we want peace, why do we fail to share the gospel? And why do we fail to live it out in our personal lives? I leave you with this challenge today. Go and be peace 
makers this week by sharing the gospel, sharing the only thing that can give peace to this God-forsaken world that in Christ God has reconciled all to himself. Go and share that gospel this week. But not just in word. Go and share that gospel in your personal lives, in your professional lives, even in your political lives. Share the gospel of peace that you will be called sons of God. Let's pray. Father, we say we love peace. We say we want peace, yet in our own personal lives, we don't demonstrate that we want peace. We fail to forgive those who have sinned against us, who have asked for forgiveness, and we fail. Lord, we quarrel with one another over insignificant things. Instead of picking one another up, we pick up arms first and go to war. Jesus, you have not sent us into the world with weapons, but with your word. You have not sent us into our world with weapons, but with your word. But Lord, let us not be like the man who simply reads this message of peace, who simply talks about this message of peace. Let us demonstrate to the world that we are your children by being peaceful, by seeking harmony in every relationship, political, personal, professional, whatever it may be, seeking to be harmonious. Not there to be at odds with one another, but to speak only the truth of Jesus and to do so gently, as your word tells us to do. To endure suffering and not take up arms and not hit back when we're hit for Jesus. To not pay back reviling with reviling, but to simply endure with a soft spirit as Jesus, you did when you went to the cross. What a lesson there is to learn of your peaceful spirit as when you walked to that cross, you were silent. Lord, you were the only innocent person who has ever lived. And they crucified you. Yet you were the Lord of peace. Silent, like a sheep before his shears, no evil was found in your mouth. Lord, let us love peace this week and let us demonstrate it in word and in deed. I pray these things for this church according to the Prince of Peace. In Jesus' name, amen.